Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast for long distance besties everywhere. I'm Amina Tuso. And I'm Ann Friedman. On today's agenda, we are talking about managing our election anxiety and getting out the vote. And we have a special guest, Shaniqua McClendon, who's political director at Crooked Media. How's it going over there? <laughs> I'm just like standing here, sitting here with my mouth open. How's it going over there? I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. How's it going for you? It's not going good. I have complete existential dread about the upcoming election. I hate coronavirus. I'm fully over it. Yeah. And my stomach hurts every day from just general anxiety. But other than that, I'm still here. <laughs> Thank you. That is more or less how I'm also feeling. Like my my body feels broken, my soul feels broken, but we have an election to attend to. <laughs> Not an option. Oh boy, <sighs> do we. I have just like felt really exhausted already from this election that hasn't even happened because it just feels that we have been in campaign mode for, you know, get Trump out of here since he announced that he was running for president at all. Right. And the pace just feels really frenetic. It's every time you turn in this country, there is an election. And it turns out that that's actually true. Like the U.S. has the busiest election calendar of any country. There's so many layers of federal, state, local government. And so... um Americans vote more, um, you know, vote for more elected offices than anyone else in the world. And is that just like, I don't know, I'm part of me is like, that just seems like a total lack of like, central coordination and commitment to making voting frictionless for for people who are like working and caregiving and have like busy lives and schedules. I think that's a tiny part of it. The truth of it is that federal government is just not efficient. Uh, <laughs> and we are... Um, you mean American federal, federal government? Or yes, all federal, American, yeah. federal, yes. American federal government is, uh, you know, like we are a ginormous country. We also have um, a federal system. Everything is run at this local level, then at the state level, then at the federal level. And so that means that you have literally like hundreds and thousands of people to elect for every state to just get the like ship running. And that's part of it. Like, I think that that just like, for me, that was important to know because it helped like snap me out of my, like, I am so over this. It was like, okay, great. Like reminder that actually there are a lot of just seats to fill. And the truth is that like the media always focuses, you know, on the high visibility races, like president, senator, governor, and that's where all of the money goes and all of the attention goes. But the majority of races are actually waged at this like very personal and smaller scale. And the thing that's true about any race, whether it is like sheriff of a tiny town or it's the president of, you know, this like horrendously messed up country, is that mobilizing voters at every single level is the most crucial and most cost effective way to win elections. Uh, I mean... So first of all, I feel like the level of like chaos and overwhelm I feel related to the the election is somewhat justified, like based on that description. 
I also am thinking a lot about like, you know, this personal and smaller scale experience and like how to translate like the kind of huge existential dread that I feel into like what concrete things am I doing? Um, and I have, I have found myself giving many friends a pep talk for phone and text banking. Um, you know, and I know it's kind of easy for me to say as someone who talks into a microphone in part for a living and someone who likes to talk to strangers, which I realize like those two things do not apply to most people. But I have to say that like, so this week, for example, this episode is airing at the end of a week in which we had the first presidential debate aired, which was like, honestly, like a pretty devastating experience, I think, for many of us who watched it. Um, Not that it felt shocking or surprising, but for me, at least, like experiencing so many of these like horrible and long running dynamics distilled into this one exchange was something that really left me crumpled in a heap on the floor. And I really personally did not start to crawl out of that until a couple days later when I had some phone banking time marked out on my calendar. And I kind of think about it as like going to the gym or something, which I say this is someone who doesn't go to the gym. So I'm speculating here, <laughs> but like, you know, the, the like it being something where I'm like, okay, it never sounds fun to log into a zoom to educate yourself on some talking points and then to make your way down a short list and call some strangers. But there are, especially in this election, so many organizations really doing a lot to support people who want a phone bank. So, you know, my my phone banking this week was for some local and state level ballot initiatives that have to do with really altering the way the criminal justice system functions. And so I'm like, great, this is not the presidential election. It's something I really care about. It's something I'm going to care about after November 3rd. And the list of people that you were calling, this is part of my pep talk, the list of people you are calling are often registered Democrats or people who have opted in to care about these issues. So first of all, I'm not calling like Blue Lives Matter or like mask skeptics to say, here is why you should care about this bail reform ballot initiative. I'm calling people who have probably professed at least some interest in these issues, which was true. And I also think that like, because it's a limited list, like, you know, setting a goal of like, okay, my time right now is going to be used to call 10 people. And if there are hangups, or if there are brief conversations, like, that's okay, I'm just going to put in my time and do 10 of these, which, like, that's kind of where I get the gym metaphor. And honestly, like, it really felt a lot better. I, you know, this week, I only had a couple of conversations, I did not have 10 conversations, I had more like three. But it was enough that I was like, okay, instead of just feeling like absolute garbage after consuming 20 minutes of the debate, because that's how far I made it, I can feel like I'm doing something and actually engaging. So that is like my personal, my personal selling like pitch for phone banking is to pick an issue or pick a state. I'm also doing some text banking for Iowa against Senator Joni Ernst. Goodbye forever and ever. Pick a state, pick an issue, and then just put in the calendar some phone banking time once a week between now and the election. That is like honestly how I am personally coping with my feelings of overwhelm at the dynamic you just described about the U.S. election calendar. So real. It's also just like worth repeating that making contact with voters actually works. The National Election Studies Survey tracks this every election. And 
in battleground states, it it, it contributes to at least like a 10% surge in people showing up to vote. So I think that, you know, for me, that is that is really significant because there is the part of it where, you know, I get to feel like I am just like contributing something to the election effort, but mm. knowing that it's tied to actual results and that, you know, unlike other things that we are asked to do during elections, that this actually like makes a ginormous difference. That is really worth like understanding and remembering. And to your point, you know, about doing it. I remember the first time that I like knocked on a door for a candidate, just how nervous I was because that Mm. is truly my nightmare, endorsing (laughs) something to someone, you know, like to a stranger and talking to them about it. And you're walking around like random neighborhoods and like random states that you've never been in. There's always ginormous posters for the other candidate that you don't really care for. I have to say that like, it feels really good. It is not as hard as you think it is. It makes a huge difference. And I think also like, you know, on a personal development level, it really helps clarify for you, like what your position for that candidate is. You know, it's like, what are you trying to, why, like, why should you care? And I think that that is something that's also just important to know. The other reason that I care about this stuff, like on a super nerdy level, is that so many people do not vote. In America, so many people do not. It is mind-boggling. It is embarrassing. It is baffling. It costs us so much. But, like, doing GOTV efforts and doing the research around it really, like, helps us to understand why people are not turning up to vote. So your point about, like, knowing that, um, you know, no one is throwing you as a volunteer into just, like, some random pit. You are generally talking to people that have opted into hearing about this information. That calms me down immediately, you Mm -hmm. know, because it's just like, okay, great. Like, someone in this household, like, signed up to know about this. And someone in this household is someone that we have identified as someone that we need to reach. And it really is just about making sure that everyone who could care about the candidate that we care about or could make a difference has been reached and knows how important their input is. Like it is, it is as simple as that. So, and I say this as someone who is like always cynical of the like 10,000, like I'm like, if Joe Biden sends me one more text message that starts with please, the eye roll is whatever, but I've really had to like quiet that like cynicism because it really does matter. All of it does matter. And it's good to be reminded and there is like no excuse not to show up when you have been like contacted so many times. It's true. You know, the other thing that I have been thinking a lot about as this election coincides with a period of extreme economic hardship for a lot of people is that this kind of action of like taking a half an hour or an hour or a couple hours out of your week to make phone calls or to send texts is something you can do with your time instead of your money. And and right now, I mean, I I am guilty of this as much as anyone, but like there is so much need in the world. You know, we are all bombarded all the time with like not just campaign requests for the election, but like a ton of worthy organizations, bail funds, mutual aid, like friends with medical bills, all kinds of efforts right now to put your money or what you can afford towards something. And what I love about this, the effectiveness of this kind of personal action as it relates to the election is it is a way for 
people regardless of the amount of disposable income they have to plug in and like kind of put some action where their beliefs are. And I think for me, it is a really important piece of the puzzle as I think about the ways that I live my values and the ways I show up. Because like a great example is like doing canvassing for a candidate or like doing text banking for a candidate is awesome and great. But like things show up on the ballot that are not directly vote for this person or that person. I, I say this from, you know, a state with tons of ballot initiatives. So I guess it's easy. It's an easy perspective for me to have. But like a lot of a lot of these elections have to do directly with issues that um, we care about in non-election years, too. And it's a way to kind of say, OK, you know, like maybe I showed up at like one out of the three protests I wanted to go to this year. And I'm going to like make up that time in phone banking. Yeah, you know, and I have to say that I have done most of my GOTV with the same crew of people. And it is really nice as a community to have that accountability together where we're like, okay, great. Like, these are the days that we are phone banking. These are the days where we have our really quick 30-minute meeting about how much money we are trying to raise, which is like another thing that we do together. And, um, you know, where we are focusing our, um, like, our volunteering our time And I have found that, like, really fulfilling on the level of just being like, okay, you don't have to do democracy alone. I love that. Sorry. It's hard. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Thanks, Cheesy and Friedman. But, you know, but at the same time, like, it's so much more helpful to, like, look to a group of friends or a group of people and say, like, these are the values that we have. And this is how we are all going to encourage each other to show up. Like, phone banking, knocking on doors canvassing like whatever these are not things that i would have done alone like i 1000 percent like can attribute all of that to some very loving and gentle peer pressure from like lovely people in my life and it feels great to do it is like an investment of your time it does take you know like it takes from the other things that you think you need to do but i just like cannot purport to be someone who says i care about the things that i care about if i can't give a couple hours every year to actually making sure that that happens on the most like basic level of volunteering, like volunteering for campaigns. It is like something that we can all do to contribute to the greater good. And the people who run those like volunteer offices are saints and they're amazing. And I've met so many cool people through it. And it's just so nice to know that you don't have to do it alone. Uh, Democracy is a team sport. I love that. For me, when I think about ways I have gotten involved in Yes, in election related things, but also, you know, broadly speaking, like most of my action in the realm of social justice is built on a friend pulling me in or me pulling a friend in. And that kind of building on existing relationships, I think, is the way that it can feel a little less intimidating to get into this, to kind of say like, okay, you know, I'm already part of this community group. How do I check in with members of this group to find out if we all have Mm -hmm. a voting plan? I am already like on this group thread with like friends who I know share my values and political beliefs. I'm going to tell them that I just phone banked and it wasn't scary and send them the link because that I really do feel like is the kind of interpersonal version of voter personal contact that we talk about. Like how do you also engage the people who you know care, but maybe haven't come across the same opportunity as you like that kind of private evangelism for getting involved is, is so, so powerful. 
So to that end, we talked to an expert this week. Like, you know, there are so many great experts when it comes to what works in getting out the vote and like where we should be placing our energy in this election. We spoke to the fantastic Shaniqua McClendon, who is the political director at Crooked Media and is doing a lot of work with Vote Save America to educate people about what is happening in swing states, to give people ways to plug in, to do education around making voting plans and figuring out like what the actual deadlines are to make sure that you know you get your ballot in and get it counted. She's a great way of breaking down a lot of the stuff we just talked about into really concrete steps and actions. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we will listen to your interview with Shaniqua. My name is Shaniqua McClendon, and I am the political director at Crooked Media. Shaniqua, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Anne. How are you? I, I, I'm not good. I don't know. <laughs> Tired and scared and worried, I think, is the accurate answer. I don't, how are you? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not going to lie. I have been all over the place. You know, fortunately, I get to talk to a lot of groups who are specifically in battleground states on the ground doing the really hard work, and they give me a lot of hope and energy. Um, but then when I turn on the television and do things like watch the debate last night, <laughs> I get to a low place. So I've just kind of been going back and forth. Oh, you mentioned battleground states. So mm-hmm. I would love to kind of start there. As a person who doesn't live in a battleground state, who Mm -hmm. um, is already planning on voting, but is also feeling like I have seen the electoral college maps, um, what people who are far from battleground states can do to actually make a difference or move the needle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, so I think I will split this into two answers. At the presidential level, and even at the, the Senate level, every state does not have a dramatic impact just because some states like California, they as a state tend to elect Democrats. So whenever someone's up, typically that's who uh, is going to win. If you want to have an impact on the presidency and so by extension, the electoral college or uh, flipping the Senate, I feel like I'm just always plugging our stuff, but I guess that's why I'm here. Um, (laughs) We created Vote Save America at um, over at Crooked Media And we designed a program called Adopt-A-State. It features six battleground states, Arizona, Florida, Michigan, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. And when you sign up for that, we've been running this program for about three months. So we have one month to go. But when you sign up for that program, every week we send you an email with a call to action. And so you might be texting folks, you might be calling folks, or we may be asking you to donate to one of the grassroots organizations um, who are on the ground working directly with voters. And, you know, we have spent about a year talking to these different organizations. So whatever we're sending you is the most impactful thing you can do in those states. And you're talking to voters in not just a swing state, but you're talking to them in swing districts and in swing counties where they could determine the outcome of the election there. So that is one thing you can do to have an impact in those states. You can also call your friends in those states, make sure they're registered to vote, make sure they have all the information they need. The other side of this is we all have local elections that uh, elect people who have really tremendous impacts on our everyday lives. We've seen a lot of the response to police killings, um, especially as of late. And a lot of the 
people who are making decisions about whether or not to charge police officers or even the laws that allow police officers to do the things that they do, those are local elections and um, kind of tying this all together, especially at the state legislature level. You know, those are elections where you can have, I don't want to say a lot bigger impact as if your vote doesn't matter at the national level, but these elections come down to a lot fewer votes. So you could be the deciding factor in those votes. And thinking um, about state legislatures, our Supreme Court, there's been a lot of conversation about that right now. A lot of the cases that they decide that have national impacts, they come from laws that state legislatures have put in place. State legislatures now know if, if Donald Trump is able to confirm another justice, the state legislatures and conservative states know, okay, we'll pass this law. The Democrats will go crazy. They'll sue us. And, you know, this can trickle it all the way up to the Supreme Court where we know we have people who will take our side. And then that law that may have started in Alabama is now the law of the land. Oh, so I want to go back to the first part of what you said, because um, this idea of me sitting in my house, writing out a postcard or mm-hmm. um, calling or texting. I think that there is a perception sometimes that what that is designed to do is to maybe argue with someone who is possibly going to vote for Trump or that you are trying to reason with someone who isn't, isn't planning to vote in this election is not worth the time anyway. And I'm wondering if you can speak to the research about whether and how these things actually work, the postcards, the calls, the texts. Yeah, the best thing you can do is have direct voter contact. Canvassing is is the most effective thing you can do with a stranger. So we can't do that right now, though. But canvassing is knocking on someone's door, asking them if they plan on voting, how they plan on voting, and getting them any information they need. Typically, people will not be as mean to you on the phones as they are in person. But, you know, then you move over to phone banking and text banking. The, uh, especially phone banking, that's the next best thing when it comes to direct voter contact. And I will not lie, sometimes you are calling people who are marked as undecided and a swing voter. So you're calling them to see, you know, can I convince this person to vote for the person that I'm supporting? And maybe the data is a little off and they are absolutely not interested in it. But typically you are calling people who are truly undecided or people who we know share the same um, values as us, but need a little bit more push to actually uh, take the step to vote. So typically, you're not going to be on the phone with someone who wants to argue with you. Specifically now, the point we're in in the election cycle, a lot of states have sent out their mail-in ballots already. Some states have actually started early voting already in person. So right now, what campaigns are focused on, they're kind of stepping away from trying to persuade people to vote for one candidate or the other and actually getting into conversations of getting out the vote. And normally that's closer to uh, November, although, you know, we're basically a month out from there. Uh, But because of coronavirus, the get out the vote period is a lot longer because now we have to talk to people about mailing their ballots back in and making sure they've filled that out correctly. We have to talk about talk to people about voting early, where they can do that, what they need to do to be safe, and then doing that on election day. So if you sign up to volunteer now, you're probably going to be talking to someone who is, they've indicated their support for one candidate. And we just need to get them from that uh, kind of saying they will support that person to actually voting. Honestly, the closer you get to the election, the less scary it is to, to talk to folks. Okay, I love that. So already, I'm not picturing like a contentious conversation with 
a family member who I don't, who I don't agree with. Cause like, that's sort of my model. Sometimes I'm like, gosh, what if I reach the kind of person that I am forced to have family dinners with sometimes? Um, so, okay. We're not doing that. We are, we are telling people like, here is how you actually like follow through on voting for the person that you indicated you want to vote for. That doesn't seem that scary, but what if I'm someone who's like, listen, I only order food through my apps. I hate talking on the phone. I am like, it is, it is my nightmare to do this, but I, I still, I still want to do something like, what do you, what what do you, what do you tell people in that category? Yeah. Um, so there, I was actually just chatting with a group today and they said they have all these text banks and they need more texters. Um, and this is in Florida that it's going to be a state that we are all watching on election night to see what happens. And so there are so many opportunities to text voters. Um, and that is, you know, you don't have to actually talk to someone. If, you know, if someone's mean over text message, that's a lot easier to deal with than them actually yelling at you. And you can just kind of, you know, move on to the next person. And you can actually um, reach a lot more people texting um, in the same amount of time that you would if you were making phone calls. And a lot of, um, a few other things, you know, it doesn't always have to be with strangers. We all have a lot of people in our lives who don't know as much about uh, the election and haven't been paying attention as much as maybe we have. And we can text them, make sure that they're registered to vote, make sure they have all the information they need. Uh, And even go a step further, uh, something we saw a lot in 2018, and I think we'll see modified for, um, you know, to make sure people are being safe, are ballot parties. People come together, they have their ballots, and they all just kind of go through it together and talk through the candidates, talk through the ballot initiatives and fill that out together. And for folks who are a little intimidated about voting because they don't want to mess up and vote for the wrong thing, that's another way that you get them to, you know, come to a, a, a small gathering. You can do this over Zoom, but just come together and fill out that ballot together. And then you can all commit to putting it in the envelope, closing it and sending it off. So there, there's a lot of things you could do. Um, also, you mentioned this um, letter writing and postcard writing. That's another kind of activity that you can do with your friends. But again, sending those that information out to, to people who still need it. Right. And not to belabor this point, but like, are these things that work? You know, I mean, is it I sometimes wonder if I am doing phone banking or text banking just to make myself feel better in the face of what feels sometimes like odds that are stacked against us because of the Electoral College or because of how far away I am from a lot of these voters. Yeah. So there's kind of a hierarchy. The hardest things to do work the best. Um, So (laughs) Knocking on a stranger's door and talking to them is the most effective thing you can do. And canvassing normally has, it's a small net impact, but so many elections are decided by like two to three points that it's enough of an impact that it can move an election toward your candidate by, you know, a point or two, which could mean you win on election day. So we can't really do that now, but that is the most effective thing you can do. And then you get into phone banking and then texting. Um, Letter writing and postcard writing, um, you know, just we'll be honest, there's been mixed results on that. It, it might not, we just might not have enough data to, to truly know. But then when you're thinking about reaching young people, letter writing and postcard writing might not be the most effective <laughs> way to do that. But young people are on their phones all the time. Now, can they ignore a text message? Yeah. But you're more likely to get someone to read a text message because it's not as intrusive as a phone call. So, you know, whereas if someone doesn't answer the phone, they'll never get that information that you were trying to get to them. But a text message, they will see it. 
Uh, and if, if, you know, if you're like me, I've gotten so many text messages in the past couple of weeks, but it's all good information that they're sharing. And, um, you know, if I didn't work at Crooked Media and, and work in the voting space, uh, I would definitely be using the resources that these folks are sending out. So it's not just to make you feel better. All of these things have an impact, especially, you know, there are so many people, I have to remind myself of this. I'm plugged into politics all the time. There are a lot of people that last night was the first time they tuned into the election at all. So sending those reminders, those phone calls, those text messages, those letters, that primes a lot of people to remember, oh, it's election, you know, this is an election year. Let me look into what I need to know. Right. And and what about this term voting plan? I mean, I feel like in previous mm-hmm. elections, this is something that I heard talked about, but like this year, because of COVID, because of post office shenanigans, because mm-hmm. we are not sure exactly how things are going to go down on election day, I I keep hearing voting plan, voting plan, voting plan. So for people who are listening to this, who are like, yeah, I'm obviously voting. I have like, I, I don't need a text message. Um, what do they need to be doing to make sure that they can actually cast that vote? Yeah. So we will soon have this feature on our site where you can make a plan to vote. We want people to do more than just think about what they're going to do. So if you if you plan on voting, uh, let's say by mail, there are you have to know what's happening in your state. So right now on Vote Save America, if you go to votesaveamerica.com slash states, you can look up your state. And we've gone through every state and answered questions like, if I don't get my ballot in time, what are my options? If I get my ballot, but I feel like it's too close to the election to drop off, what are my options there? And you know, you can go to a Dropbox or drop it off at your local um, elections office. And so we go through all these different scenarios so that you can first have the understanding of how voting works in your state. We have that for uh, in-person voting as well. So then a plan is, I know when my ballot is due, so I'm gonna turn it in by this day. I know that it either needs to be postmarked or actually delivered by a certain day. So that will inform the day that I drop it off and and get it filled out. When you're voting in person, normally early voting, normally you can vote anywhere in the county, but if you vote on election day, you have to vote, you know, at your precinct. So knowing whether you're going to vote early or um, on election day is part of your plan. And then once you know that, knowing exactly where you're going to go, knowing if they have long lines, how much time do I need to allot to vote? You know, do I vote at a place where I can just hop in and hop out? Or will I need to set aside, unfortunately, two hours to vote? So planning ahead so that when you get to that moment where you have to vote, it doesn't become unforeseen uh, circumstances popping up that you just couldn't account for and now are discouraged from voting. So, you know, I think it's important every year. Um, I typically vote by mail. So I like harass the Board of Elections office. I'm like, is my ballot coming? You know, (laughs) And so just making sure that you know what you're going to do can anticipate any obstacles that come up and still will be able to vote is why we why so many people are talking about making a plan this year. One thing that I have seen lately online is that even if you are registered to vote by mail and know that you've got a ballot coming that way, you've checked your registration and all of that, that if you are able to physically drop it off during early voting or on election day, that that might be a better bet than sending it through the USPS. I'm wondering if you have guidance about that. Yeah, so I I think it's not um, a question of if it's safe to send it through USPS, but it's just a timing question. And a lot of states we've seen have been shifting so that as long as your ballot is postmarked by election day or the day before, uh, it still has a few extra days to actually get in. 
But um, the date that we are suggesting for folks is October 20th. If you can't mail your ballot in by October 20th, you should just go ahead and make a plan to drop it off in person. And it's, you know, it's pretty easy. You can go, again, look this information up for your specific state, but you can typically go to a local elections office or um, a Dropbox and drop your um, ballots there. I wouldn't say one is better than the other unless you're within that October 20th to November 3rd uh, window, then I would just go ahead and drop it off in person. But if you do send it in the mail, a lot of states allow you to track your ballot. Again, I'm like pushing our product hard. But if you go (laughs) to your state page on votesaveamerica.com, we answer the question if your state allows you to track it. And then we provide the link for where you can track your ballot. So if you've sent it in and you are not seeing uh, progress, you can call your local elections office and say, hey, I want to know what's going on with my ballot. Do I need to come in and vote in person? Like, what are my options? Because, you know, I don't see where my where my ballot is yet. Mm. One big underlying question that I think we've grappled with a lot is how much energy should we be pushing at the election right now? Given what we know about the fact that, look, like, just because... (laughs) Joe Biden might be president, or just because we might get some state level officials who are Democrats or something like that, doesn't mean a lot of these issues that we really care about, specifically things having to do with police violence and criminal justice reform. Mm -hmm. How do you kind of balance that out? You know, like is helping someone who is feeling really pulled in a lot of directions, who cares about a lot of issues, do you think we, it, we should be kind of in this month, like all in on the election. And then it's like, okay, and then we get to work on this other stuff. Or how are you answering some of those questions for yourself? Yeah, to me, it is all interconnected. Um, You know, I don't, I don't want to put blame anywhere. But I think an unhelpful view that a lot of um, society has is that elections are the only form of of civic engagement. And so we do all this work around elections to get people elected. um, And then we wait for them to do what we ask, you know, what they said they were going to do. And politicians are politicians. If no one is putting their feet to the fire, they're not going to do the hard things. So I think it's really important right now for us to be focused on every election. I know that that takes a lot of energy. And so if you have to choose one, I would get plugged in where, where I'm most excited. So if you are, you know, for me right now, of course, I want Joe Biden to win, and I want a lot of other people to win. But, you know, I'm from North Carolina. I used to work for Senator Kay Hagan, and I worked for her when Tom Tillis beat her. Uh, and now I am so excited to help get him out of office <laughs> and get Cal Cunningham elected. Um, and that's where I've been putting a lot of my energy and my donations. Um, and so, you know, I'm still focused on helping Joe Biden, but me helping Cal Cunningham in North Carolina helps Joe Biden win North Carolina. And if he can win North Carolina, that is very helpful because um, it will help with his electoral um, his electoral vote, but it also will help flip the Senate. It also will help flip uh, the state legislature in North Carolina where Republicans have gone wild and gerrymandered the maps. They've um, just implemented a lot of voter suppression laws. And even when we elected a Democratic governor, they stripped him of his gubernatorial power so that he was, you know, pretty much unable to do anything. So I think find the candidates or the level of government that you get most excited about and plug in there because it will either work up the ballot or down the ballot to affect the whole system. And then when the elections are over, maybe take a week or two off, but you know, it can't end there. We have to continue to hold people accountable, show up to their town halls, ask them if they're working on the things that they said they were going to work on. And don't let them off with easy answers. Uh, Honestly, 
this is harder to do at the presidential level, but if your local person is not doing the things that you ask for, find someone else who will and have them run against them. I love it. It's sort of like the equivalent of a mom who's like, I brought you into this world and I can take you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I can for you and I can canvas against you. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I love that. One thing you mentioned was taking a little bit of time off after the election. And I think one thing I found myself going through as I was trying to engage with the debate, or sometimes as I even try to engage with the news lately, is that it feels really bad. <laughs> like, I'm like, this is yeah. really like, not um, a good feeling to engage with what's happening in politics right now. And on the flip side, like, I also feel bad when I turn it off, like, I actually don't want to look away from what's going on. And so I guess I, I have tried to combat that by saying, okay, I'm going to schedule time, I'm going to put my phone banking on the calendar, I'm going to put my text banking on the calendar. I'm wondering if you have advice for people who are managing you know, their time, their emotions, their health and mental health as they figure out the best way for them to plug in? Yeah, um, that is a great question. You know, when we had to start sheltering in place, I was watching the coronavirus briefings every day. Hmm. And I realized that it was getting to me. And I was kind of in that same space. I was like, I need to know what's going on. This is, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Our our leadership is not doing the greatest job. I'd like to know what is happening. And then I realized that I, I just couldn't, I couldn't keep consuming it that way. So for me, I, you know, I read a lot more, even online, I would much rather read an article than I would watch a video. Mm. Um, and so I just try to read my news more. Um, I, I'm a big proponent of like, you know, reading news from multiple sources. So you're not just, you know, reading people who reaffirm what you think, but to just protect my mental health, I just had to start kind of reading from progressive outlets so that I was getting the information, but not seeing the lies that the president was telling and, you know, somehow turning that into someone's opinion and not just lies <laughs> and correct information. Um, and then on the volunteering side, so I think if you are working full-time job, you have kids, um, you know, definitely be cognizant about prioritizing like the time that you need to just decompress, have time to yourself. And the same way that you pencil anything else in, pencil in your volunteer time. And so if you can only devote an hour or even 30 minutes, that is an hour or 30 minutes worth of calls or texting or letter writing that wouldn't have happened otherwise. And you should not beat yourself up for not being on a call for, you know, four hours it is a privilege to have four hours to set aside during a day and that, and make calls. So, you know, definitely don't feel bad about that. And this is not something I would normally ever say publicly, but if you can't do those things, it's okay. If voting is the thing that you can do, do that. If voting and talking to your family members is the thing you can do, do that. There are a lot of us who have the time and, and space and energy to do this and we're doing it, but we should always put ourselves first in these times. We're in the middle of a pandemic. This election year is a lot harder than any other election year. As you watch everything that's happening, another thing that's been really triggering for me is, you know, I'm on the phone with these groups who are doing amazing work. And then I hear that the president is suing to have ballots thrown out. And you think I'm doing everything we're supposed to be doing. And some, you know, you can't just, you can't control all of the evil forces. So um, in those times, sometimes I just, you know, this is, I do this a few times a week. I will step away from my computer and I will just go lay on my bed because I'm at home now and I can do that. <laughs> and it just allows me to get away. So, but the big thing I'm trying to say is prioritize yourself, 
fit in volunteering where you can and find uh, ways to consume news that are not too triggering. Um, but you don't, also don't have to do it all day. Mm. Shaniqua, thank you so, so much for sharing all of your wisdom and um, these calls to action. I feel, I feel yeah, better. <laughs> well, oh, that makes me happy. And thank you for having me. Um, it was a pleasure to, to be on your podcast. So, so many of the things Shaniqua talked about are available at votesaveamerica.com, but there are a lot of great resources for volunteering. And I honestly just recommend Googling. Like, I found my Iowa text banking by just Googling, like, Iowa, I hate Joni Ernst text bank. Like, that kind of thing can also work. Like, these resources are out there from so many great organizations. You know, thank God for Shaniqua's expertise and for people who care about GOTV. I am really excited to do it again this this election cycle, even though, um, you know, we will not have the same opportunities to knock on doors and meet voters. There's still so much to be done. Um, so I will see you at the polls. I will see you on the phone bank Zoom. Bye, boo-boo. Bye. You can find us many places on the internet, callyourgirlfriend.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. We're on all your favorite platforms. Subscribe, rate, review. You know the drill. You can call us back. You can leave a voicemail at 714-681-2943. That's 714-681-CYGF. You can email us, callyrgf at gmail.com. Our theme song is by Robin. Original music composed by Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs. We're on Instagram and Twitter at callyrgf. Our producer is Jordan Bailey. And this podcast is produced by Gina Delvac. 